Years in Carpentry, Part 2. So talk about some of the setbacks you've had and how you have overcome them. Like setbacks in terms of just carpentry or just... Well, I mean, it's part of life, right? If you're doing something that becomes yeah. part of your life and so yeah. your, your failure there is going to, to bleed into that. But I mean more specifically, like, can you think of certain projects where you had a setback and how you... Overcame them? Overcame, yeah. You improvise, you overcome, you adapt. So specific projects. Your your table, your desk, I cut that the wrong size. And I was very mad about it because I was young and full of testosterone and angry very quickly through a little temper tantrum. I think maybe that happens more because you're just doing it on the side. I don't know. I've, I've thrown more temper tantrums just in the shop by myself doing stuff than I have at work. Do you think that's maybe because nobody's watching you, though? Like, Do you yes. think that... that... There's social constraints. There's social constraints that when you're on the job site, there's certain people you don't want to see you having a Bad temper day. tantrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And so maybe that's partly what it is. Yeah, and I've learned through the course of, of building things that there's always going to be problems. And if you throw a temper tantrum, you're just wasting time that you could be spending solving it. Yeah, and energy. Yeah. But I think... Uh, that was one. I've I find that the biggest thing I've done, like with projects, the hardest part is just to keep going at it. Because sometimes you get to a point in the project where it just feels like it's never going to end, and you just really need to keep showing up. To endeavor to persevere. We thought about it for a long time. Endeavor to persevere. And when we had thought about it. Long enough, who declared war on the Union? And doing it, even though, like, you're kind of done with it. And that's that's life, right? It's just... Yeah, and I think that's anything creative, though, because that, at least for me, the exciting part is the idea. Mm. And then once... The you... idea is so much more The more idea fun. is so much more fun and so much better than reality ends up. And kind of you get to the point where you like you know when you get to the point where you know it it can work or it will work but you still have all that figuring out to do but you know it's possible then i get very much i'm over it cuz it's like then it's not fun for my brain anymore then you have to just hunker down and do it yeah and you know it's going to be grueling because it's going to be do this no that didn't work do this no that didn't work and yeah. it's just that grinding out certain problems yeah, I think that's why a lot of people don't even like the trades anymore, like to do them. It's it's not just that, oh, it's hot and sweaty work. It is, but people go to the gym all the time. It's the fact that it's mentally grueling and you got to do it for 10 hours a day. So I, I think yeah, that... Yeah, the, the time commitment is Yes. Not, yeah. Yeah. And not giving up. You just you just got to be more ornery than the project. Yeah. Well, that leads in very well to my next question is, have you ever quit or have you ever wanted to quit? Just say, get rid of all my tools. I'm done. Not doing it. Mm. Yeah. Maybe maybe for a day. Every project? No. <laughs> every, every project. Uh, I can't see myself working full-time behind a desk like that as my main job clicking on a computer 
without like having some kind of hands-on interaction with it. Even if I was older, say, and then I was like the foreman and, and running around to several different jobs. And at least then you're kind of interacting with people and you're interacting with the problems they have. But to, to just sit at a desk all day, I don't think, I know I don't, couldn't do that very happily. But I more mean like quit carpentry. Well, I mean. Specifically, not just like, oh, give up doing that. Like, because for a while you were a welder and I know that you actually enjoyed certain aspects of welding more than woodworking because you could fudge it a little bit more with your cuts. Yeah, no. So I I know, so you kind of did for a while put that like woodworking on the back burner. Yeah. So what I mean more by like, have you wanted to quit is like more that specifically not doing something with your hands. Oh, I feel like it's all so interconnected to me. Like whether you're welding something or you're making something out of wood, the, the fundamental process of, of problem solving is there. It, it's, it's different in the minutia, but it's the same in, in general. And if I was to, it would be a question more of quitting making things period. Okay. Because I don't, I don't feel like what you're doing is you're more just developing different skills and different aspects. Because yeah. now, I mean, I get to do mixed media artwork. Exactly. Which is all the rage. <laughs> I'll put a, it sounds so fun. I put a slab of dead tree on some steel legs and all of a sudden everybody's like, ooh. What? How did you do that? The crowd goes wild. Um, I think that's, I think that's really fun is to, is to have more skills that way. So I've never wanted to quit for good. I've wanted to quit okay. for the day. Oh, okay. No, yeah. I think, like, every, <laughs> I think that's everyone. I, I need a nap now. Yeah. <laughs> what is the best wood in your not so humble opinion to work with? I don't think I have any humble opinions, but. I will, we'll search for them. I don't think so, but we'll dig. Okay. So that's not a fair question. Li- I know like, that's why I put it in there. Okay. I feel like an interview isn't isn't fun unless there's a really unfair question. What is your favorite wood? Is it's, it's, it's as logical as asking how okay. how long is the number seven? <laughs> so if someone no, what my what but the idea is if someone said, here is all the money in the world, you get to make whatever you want. You can keep it. You can make it out of whatever you want to make it out of. Mm. What would you pick? Well, I'd pick some species of wood that would work well together. In terms so you would of, mix wood? I would mix woods because, like, there's so many different species of wood that all have so many wonderful characteristics. I don't have a ton of experience working with tropical wood. Really, all I, I know is, like, purple heartwood, which, surprisingly enough, is purple. It really is very purple. Very purple. Very it's not purple. just like, oh, it's it's natural brown colored with a tinge of purple. No, it's purple. Yeah. I would say of North American wood species, what I really like to work with is, is sycamore. Oh, okay. Have you ever worked with sycamore? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I worked with some really beautiful pieces of sycamore um, that were 50 inches wide. So a tree yeah. that was in diameter 50 inches. Yeah. So that's pretty incredible. But what's cool about sycamore is it has this really beautiful nut brown color mm-hmm. with more light flecks in it. Oh, okay. And then it typically has some nice figuring, but it's not crazy. It's so like there's there's figure in it, but it's not like it's so much 
that it's over the top where it's almost kind of like how to say this because like figured wood is really beautiful mm-hmm. but if it's too much i find it almost overpowering so yeah it has to be in the right space in the right context sure if that makes any sense sure what would you say is the best wood for someone getting started and they wanted to do small household projects like weekend warrior they want to do stuff mm. something um, they have a few tools what would you recommend that they is affordable but is still going to have a nice result mm. i would i would first look at poplar because it's it's a hard stable wood like it's a hardwood but it's not too hard it's not too dense so working with it's relatively easy if you want to do joints it's easy to cut by hand it's straight grained the only issue with it is it's not the most beautiful looking wood okay one wood i would advise novices to stay away from a little bit is oak oak is just really fickle it's wow. <laughs> okay. so the problem is oak has this this grain that's really um open so finishing it can be a little bit difficult and it's prone to cracking and, and it's just not the most stable wood you need to make sure that your supplier typically what you want is quarter sawn oak which is just a way that they saw it at the sawmill how they take how they take the board from the tree. So how the the direction of the grain is working within that, that board. Um, so you really have to have a good supplier to really get a good board. And that's just not always possible for people. Right. So with Oak, the problem is a lot of times you're spending more money on a, on, on the material and you're just more frustrated with the end product. Okay, so that's a more advanced. Yeah, material. yeah. Okay, and and also like nowadays the whole um, Craftsman oak uh, finish is just a little bit out of vogue too. So there's going to be mm. less that people are going to want to do with it. Okay, but it's going to come back. Don't oh, worry. It's, definitely. It, it always does. It does. It cycles around. Mm-hmm. What is the best brand of tools? Hmm. I know that you can mix imagine like obviously there's going to be a difference between hand tools and power tools. Power tools. And but if you would say just broadband and someone said just give me one name. One name to devote your dedicated life to, you know, just. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just like, I don't know, like sometimes like with the whole reviews and everything, it can be very overwhelming that you have to like for every tool you acquire, you have to dig deep and like, oh, this is the problem with this one and this one is that. And what would you just say broadcast? What would be your your tried and true? Mm. So for shop tools like um, table saw, scroll saw, planer, band saw, and so on, I don't feel like you can do... You can't go wrong with Delta tools.
there. They're going to be well-made. They're not going to be overly expensive. The A lot of times, Delta has been around for so long that you can find used Delta tools, and they, they clean up really nicely. They, they made nice lathes back in the day. So definitely look at older tools re- and refurbishing them. Okay. It's it, Usually it's just a little TLC. The beds get rusty, so you got to take some steel wool and oil to it. Yeah. Clean that up. So like if you're garage sailing and you see a Delta that it, it looks a little bit rough, it's still worth grabbing. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Tip, t- yeah. Unless you like see something that's crazy wrong with it. But mm-hmm. it's it's definitely got good bones. Uh, hand tools. If you just want to cross the board uh, where you're not going to get, you're not going to run into problems, I'd say Stanley is a good, a good brand. And for power tools, this is where everybody gets really up in arms about yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So especially battery-powered hand tools. It's just, uh, people have such opinions. So I like Milwaukee. I've been using Milwaukee for years. Um, I've seen them get beat up and abused and they keep on kicking the batteries last long uh they work in cold weather so i like milwaukee okay they have their faults sure and if i wasn't gonna do milwaukee i was i would do makita okay we kind of touched on this but i i wanted to know in your experience is the woodworking community kind gracious and giving. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, first, let's just talk about. Give us a percentage. Like, is the percentage 50 50? Is it. Is it. Was it so... worse? Like, what, what percentage in your life in specific? Like, would you. I will say this the woodworking community is significantly more kind and gracious than the welding community. Oh, throw some shade. Oh, yeah. So, Spill the tea on that. So the welding community is if you want to like just feel really bad about yourself, just post a weld on the internet. And then everybody and his brother will tell you about how horrible you've done and, and how you did, did it too cold or too hot. It's really funny because... Oh, my goodness. I had no idea. Yeah. So it was like... It, it's just like you, you can't post a weld on the internet without getting shade wow. thrown back at you. Yeah, so there's always going to be, and then they're going to be like, well, yeah, it looks good, but is it going to hold? And like all kinds of, it is a little bit like a bunch That's of. That's good to warn yeah, people though. Yeah, no. See, I can see a beginner being like, ta-da, look at what I did. And then just being yeah, really heaped on. Yeah, it's it's a oh, little my. rough. Oh, okay. So um, I think if you want to talk about a community that has that old time. kind of guild mentality uh welders definitely have that a little bit they don't they don't like seeing machines put out better welds than them and so they'll show throw weld uh shade on any weld that they didn't do what if a person did it what if it did so like so what it is is because you're in competitions with a machine that does really good you don't want other people doing bad welds out there oh this is my theory to it okay Right? So yeah. then you're trying to keep a really tight rein of like, this is good welding. Stanley, see this? 
this is this. This ain't something else. This is this. Right? So, yeah. like, it's only, like, the top 1% of welds. Will anybody be like, ah, oh, that's not bad. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Is there a bit of ego, though? Like, do welders have bigger egos? E that... Welders have tons of ego. That is like, well, I do the best welds, so no one measure up, or... No, I think... So, my experience with welding is that you need to have a big ego because you're always failing. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. you need to have a big enough ego to take all the lumps of your failures and your very obvious failures. Like, that's the really cool thing about any trade. If you have a failure, it is going to be 100% undeniable because that that door doesn't close right or that weld doesn't hold it it's in your face so there's a lot of times i think with office work there's a lot of ability to cast not blame but to shirk responsibility for your failures well i, I mean the bad side of that is sometimes i feel like you don't know where you're at like with that like if there's is more nebulous whether you're good at your job or not whereas yeah. with the trades like you see right away i did good or i did bad yes so in that way, it can be hard to have that, that nebulous aspect oh, of it. Oh, yeah. That's what I find really satisfying is like when you did right, you did right. Yeah. It's it's factually true. Yeah. What I find the most frustrating about that is when you do poorly and you know you did poorly and you know what's wrong with it, but you don't know how to fix it. Yeah. And it, that's like, what do I do different? Right? Yeah. That's where it's sometimes you need a teacher yeah. and to tell you like, okay, this is what you can do different next time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And... I think you, in a shop mentality, you're always going to get a little bit of ribbing for doing something wrong. And that's a good thing because oh, yeah. you're going to remember your mistakes then and mm -hmm. uh, you're much, much less likely to commit them again. Yeah, and just to stay humble and... Always stay humble and So woodworking community, I would say, is pretty good. There's a lot more hobbyists who do woodworking. Okay. So it's not this... Per professional prestige and like pretentious yes yeah where would you go what are there any books that you would recommend to people youtube uh stores that they should check out online resources are there any resources of community or just for learning so what i would do is do kind of one-stop shopping do your um your um uh yard sales and your estate sales estate sales are really good so Yard sales is kind of stuff that people, while they're living, don't even want. And estate sales are stuff that people clung on to to their dying day. So you know you're going to get good stuff at estate sales. Get there early. Yeah. Yeah. But there's usually, it's kind of a one-stop shop because there's usually old tools that you can fix up and use. And there's old carpentry books. And my recommendation is to get as many carpentry books as you can for as cheap as you can. Because what you're not trying to do is find specific projects to do i think that's kind of like what what people think they're going to do is get a carpentry book and they're going to just do that project which you can't but i have done so very few projects from books what i've done is i've seen a whole host of projects and see how different people do it and then i'm picking up techniques and then i can make my own thing it's just that's typically how it works i hardly ever work from the prescribed plan. Yeah, would you say it's easy to find carpentry books in used bookstores? Like... It's easy to find them in used bookstores. It's easy to find them at yard sales. Um, and it's easy to find them on the internet. Okay. So you have no excuse. And what's really interesting is because it's a, they devalue very quickly. 
because there's always the the new one and they also get roughed up a lot and people are willing to let them go because they can no longer do their hobby because they're old or or whatnot there's a lot out there okay any other resources that you would recommend i would say if you can start to create a good relationship with people who um the sawmills try to work on that that's a little bit more difficult because a lot of times like the good sawmills are going to be like a, a drive from where you're at um but just go in there and just kind of be friendly be nice be nice don't ask for free stuff they got a lot of people asking for free stuff really yeah like okay. oh you have any drops you know that are are cutoffs and so on. i was like no <laughs> Especially this day and age, there's there's yeah. nothing free. No. Um, especially because if you think about it, a lot of times the like what you're doing is you're talking about hardwood. Like we're not talking mm -hmm. about pine. So mm -hmm. even the drops are pretty valuable for people who are doing small wood turnings on lathes. Yes. Like or if what you about make those cutting boards where you yeah and the cutting board yeah and those are selling for e gazillions of dollars. They now they are a lot more work than people think they are. Like you don't, oh yeah. so much. But. Yeah, nothing in this world is free. Don't don't ask for free stuff, but get there, be friendly, and pay in cash. Oh, that's a good tip. Yeah. Okay. And um, and but don't ask if you're gonna like get sales tax for free or whatever. Just just come with cash. Just mm -hmm. just pay the regular price. Yeah. Cash. Yeah. Okay. Just keep talking with them. Just ask them if they ever get any good stuff in. Take their business card and then actually like reach out to them. Mm-hmm. So they like that. Cool. Yeah. What is the joy of woodworking? What what makes carpentry worth doing? What makes it last? The joy of woodworking is being able to take carbon that's been transformed by a living tree and turn it into something that is functional for everyday use. So the, I, I think of the whole process of how this, this tree had to battle up from a little seedling in a gigantic forest. And basically, it just kept doing what we as people do. We just keep doing the day-to-day -day growth till we reach full size. And then what happens with the tree is really, really cool because it reaches full size and then it, its usefulness is not over. Right, because believe it or not, trees have a lifespan. Now it's really long for some trees, but they have a lifespan, and they have a usefulness even when that lifespan is over. So that gets cut down. A lot of hands touch a tree before it even gets to the big box store, and you can pick it up. And there, you get to uncover stuff that you know you need to see the potential in the board. You gotta take that and see. Oh. There's this notch in the tree that has some really nice figure wood in it. So how am I going to position that? How am I going to use my cuts economically to bring that to be the highlight of this piece that I'm making? So it's what's really cool about woodworking is more than any other skill I've done, it is trying to negotiate wills. So you have your will that you're trying to impose upon this this tree to make something that you can use a table let's say so that's your idea but the tree has its own idea because it is 
a natural product. It has its own grain. It has its own character. And you have to work with that. So you have to be willing to humble yourself enough to change what your idea of, of the perfect table is. And that it's, it's that interplay. It's almost like relationships with people. Like sometimes you always have like, what can I get out of this? And like, but you can't just do that. You have to negotiate your, as you move through the world, you have to negotiate your expectation. Beautiful. So that's why I think woodworking is, is yeah. really amazing. Yeah. Have you ever read The Giving Tree? No. The children's book? No. Oh, I'm going to make you read it and you're going to cry. <laughs> I, I rem <laughs> There was a story about a tree once and I cried too. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was kind of like this along the same lines. It was like the beautiful tree was so happy on top of the hill, and then they cut it down, and then the tree bled out its sap, and it was very very oh, very dramatic, very dramatic. And I was like, the tree is dying, and then the tree yeah. gets transformed into like um a beautiful house, and it gets to live forever oh, okay. as, as like the the palace for the king or something. Yeah, no, the the giving tree is where like this boy comes to this tree, and the tree gives him apples. And then the boy comes back as an adolescent. He's like, well, give me the, your your branches. I need this. And he comes back as an older man. And he's like, I need this. You know, give me this. And the tree, like, cuts off more of himself, of the tree. And then he comes back. He's like, well, I'm not happy, tree. Give me your whole body, like, cut, cut down so that you can make me a boat that I can sail around the world. And, and then it ends where this, you know, crippled old man comes to the tree and the tree says well I have nothing left to give you I've given you everything and the old man says I need nothing more and he just sits on the stump oh <laughs> yeah they read that to children to see if they're uh they're normal they're normal okay <laughs> do you have a favorite fictional book or with a tree or any mm. story where tree like are you like a Hemingway you know, two big hearted river and like the the trees there. Not um, Faulkner, big woods. I mean not not particularly. The ants. Okay, the ants are great characters. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I would be an ant when I grow up. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. I think just the I'll end before final thoughts. Uh I would say what is the favorite project that you've done? Of all your years in carpentry, maybe you want to tell that story before okay. we close. In all your years of carpentry, what what is your favorite project? All my years in carpentry comes from the fact that as a family, we're driving, I think, home from church. And my dad said something about how he hurt his left thumb. And I pipe up from the back seat. Oh, in all my years of woodworking... I find I I hurt my my left thumb the most because I hit it all the time when I was trying to hammer and nails and smack my thumb. I mean, it's amazing how many times I have smacked my fingers with a hammer and made them bleed. But <laughs> gnarly. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. If you're gonna be dumb, you got to be tough. And it's just hilarious to hear this seven eight year old talk about all his years in woodworking. But I had figured I'd been doing it you know, off and on from four. So that's four years. That's quite half, a bit. That's half my life. Yeah, that is quite a bit. Yeah, so I think that counts as, as quite prestigious. Uh-huh. So I I, I I appreciate everybody listening today to this podcast. It's not like I was super, I'm a super good woodworker. 
I'm not out there like Norm Abrams, the new Yankee workshop. He wrote a book, um, several, but one that I would recommend reading is Measure Once, Cut Twice. It's kind of a little bit of a memoir of how he got to where he was as a carpenter. So that was really intriguing. Um, what, what was more to that question? The, your favorite project. My favorite project. Ooh. So my favorite projects have been ones where I've incorporated both woodworking and metalworking together. So I made my mom this side table, not side table, this like um, sideboard. I would call it more like a work bench, like a kitchen workbench. A huntsman table. Ooh, let's go with that. You made a huntsman table. But in a very industrial way. So I, I, I bought, heaven forbid, a butcher block. Um, and then I made steel legs for it and made wooden shelves for it. And that was a very fun project because it's rustic and industrial, but it has a few touches to it that I thought made it more elegant. So that was a really fun project. I, in the shop right now, we have one of my favorite projects. Um, and, um, so is and, it whatever and, you're working on is your favorite project? No, 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 no. Yes. <laughs> and no. Uh, sorry, I meant the ex, ex, uh, the Etsy shop. Get all contungulated here. The, you can buy one of my favorite projects that I've done. So um, it's this candlestick holder, and I think it, it's a really slick modern design. Not contemporary design, but modern design. And we've incorporated some aluminum in there to really make it sparkle. It's this candlestick holder, uh, candelabra. Mm-hmm. Old six candles. Hold, uh, yeah. And uh, it packs flat. So if you don't want to have any candles out, you can just tuck it away in a drawer. And then when you're having your fancy dinner, just zip that bad boy out. Ta-da! Candles. So I think it's a great it's a great gift for moms. It's a great gift yeah. for yourself. Yeah. But what I really like about it is that it just... You get to see the whole grain of this piece of wood. That's what I was going to say. You really get to enjoy the wood. Mm-hmm. And then it, it just... It also is very dynamic. It's almost like sculpture, like a yeah. moving sculpture, yeah. I would say, because you can set it up different ways. Sure. And that's that's what I like about it. Yeah, and it's timeless. Like, it's, it's a very clean design. Like Ver you said modern, but it could also be shaker-inspired, which could be, you know, it, it can mm -hmm. fit in with any design because it is very clean and simple. Interesting you say that because it was based off upon a – antique design and then we just kind of updated it a little bit with some some sparkly aluminum uh hardware okay. so yeah cool that's what i like about woodworking thanks for listening <laughs> bye, -bye. <laughs> we hope you have enjoyed the ducks never waver lunch break if you would like to fill your senses with more Ducks Never Waver goodness, you can feast your eyeballs on Instagram and Facebook. Touch some of our beautiful pieces that we will ship right to your door by ordering them through Etsy. Or you can continue hearing us on this magnificent culmination of auditory recordation. Donation buckets are in the description for you to invest in the betterment of this podcast. We will work diligently to read and present interesting topics. Your hard-earned money will be joyously and gratefully spent to improve your lunch break. Want to keep your hard-earned money? And who doesn't? You can still support us and yourself 
by rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing this here podcast with all the other ducks in your life. Stay quacky.